On this prequel episode, we've got our slapstick of another kind fan poll follow-up, and we're previewing Goodfellas. Hello, welcome back to this film, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. It's another prequel episode, so we're going to get right into it with our patron shoutouts. We have one new patron this week, kind of new, in the sense that they are upgrading from the $5 Hugo Award winning level to the $15 Academy Award winner level, and that patron is That Darn Skag. Thank you, That Darn Skag. I believe that's a... And I could be wrong about this. I think that might be a reference to... Oh, now I'm blanking on the name. Uh, Borderlands. The video game Borderlands. I believe... I don't know if that's a reference to that. There are creatures in that game. I'm pretty sure called Skags. Like, it's one of the like most more common creatures mm-hmm. you fight. I thought it had two Gs and not one. So I don't know if it's a, re- a reference to that or if it's just just their name or something or just a nickname who knows but anyways that darn skag thank you for upgrading your patron uh, amount uh, from five dollars to fifteen dollars that means you get to join the ranks of our academy award winners and you get to throw out a recommendation to add to our priority recommendation list so make sure you message us on patreon they did they did they put out a recommendation that i'm very excited about awesome so you've already done it we've got it added to the list and katie's pumped Joining the ranks of the Academy Award winners, the rest of them are Paul, Kat Ensminger, Ben Wilcox, Ian from Wine Country, the cooler name change patron? Question mark? Winchester's Forever, Kelly Napier, Gray Hightower, Eli Young's Gratch, Just Gratch, Shelby Says Pre-Order, Monsters and Mayhem, That Darn Skag, V Frank. Theoretically, I could have come up with a clever new patron name this week. I didn't, but like theoretically and alina starkov thank you all so very much for your support (laughs) and our name change patrons for battling it out i don't know who the cooler one is but now we have two (laughs) and i think i could be wrong but i think that theoretically i could have come up with a clever new patron name this week i didn't but like theoretically is in fact a reference to Unless I could be wrong, but because I, I feel like at some point, it, I, at first I was like, oh, it's not a reference to anything. But then it, in the slapstick of another kind episode, we discussed how like theoretically. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's OK. The reference. I was like, I was making like, sure there were there were bits in the movie that like theoretically, theoretically this could have been, been funny, funny but, but it wasn't but like, but like it was theoretically. But the, yeah. And so there you go. Been. I was just making sure that I wasn't alone in thinking that might be a reference because <laughs> at first I didn't. I was like, oh, OK, it's just like a funny joke. But then I was like, oh, maybe it is a reference. So there you go. Duke it out, patrons. Duke it out. Thank you all very much. Let's now find out what everybody had to say about slapstick of another kind. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right. So on Patreon, we had four votes for the book and zero for the movie. Thank God our patrons are sane. This is going to be a theme and up until a certain point. What? How dare that person? Theoretically, I could have come up with a clever new patron name this week. I didn't, but like theoretically said. I mean, I guess I have to trust that Vonnegut put more subtle meaning into his book than the movie managed. It would be almost impossible not to. (laughs) Um, I'm more interested about which was more accurate in their review of Jerry Lewis's performance, Leonard Malton or the Razzies. It was is the Razzies. the Razzies. It's the Razzies. I will say the only thing I could because I almost mentioned this in the main episode. I think I forgot. The only thing I could see is that Jerry Lewis in the 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 parent role mm-hmm. is like fine because yeah. he's not really doing anything. Yeah, or not that he's not really doing anything, but like he's not being like ridiculous. Like I thought him in that role, <laughs> like if he was just that role and it was somebody else in the yeah. you know doing the the, the child role like i could see like oh yeah he was he was okay but that's not what the movie is like most of the movie is him in the role of what wilmer or whatever wilbur wilbur yeah and so in that case yeah, yeah no no terrible <laughs> terrible <laughs> lost remote control said two votes for the book wins by default that movie sounds horrifying correct mm-hmm. yes And V. Frank said, the worst thing that a comedy movie can do is not be funny. 
the book wins by its mere existence. I mean, it's very true. Yeah, I mean, if you're not achieving the literally one thing. Yeah. Like, you had one job. Yes. Your job was to be funny, and you weren't. It's also why we don't do comedies very often on Good, Bad, or Bad, Bad, or things mm-hmm. that are trying to be comedies. We, we have. Not that we haven't. They're out there, and we've done a few. Like, Thanks Killing comes to mind. I'm sure there's a couple others. But in general, we go for, like, dramas or action movies or whatever, because... When comedy's bad, it's just brutal. Yeah. Like it's yeah. just awful to watch. Right, like like a, a drama failing to be a drama. There's humor, There's humor in, that. in that. A comedy failing to be a comedy is just pathetic. It's very hard. It can be very difficult to find the humor in it, unless it's very like there's specific ways you can. But man, it's tough. Uh, and so yeah, it's yeah. It, when when something's trying to be funny and failing, it's it's per- perhaps the most unfortunate and hard to watch version of bad cinema yeah on facebook we had two votes for the book and zero for the movie james said i'm voting for the book i didn't see the movie but i have read multiple vonnegut books and many of them are overly satirical with some science fiction and social commentary that combo usually doesn't lead to a good movie However, I do have an issue with what you said that this is the worst movie you've seen when clearly Good, Bad, or Bad, Bad did after last season. Okay, so point by point here. First, that combo usually doesn't lead to a good movie. I would disagree. I think it's you're, it's you're, tough giving, to do. you're giving yourself a tough job. Yes, if that's what they're going for, if that's what James is saying here, is that those things can are tough to pull off. Yeah. And I think that is kind of basically what they're saying. Um, I guess I agree with that in a sense, but there are plenty of good movies that do sci-fi and satire, social commentary, mm-hmm. and are quite good. Like, there's no shortage of them, in fact, I think. I mean, um, uh, what was, a uh, um, oh, no, the one with the space bugs. Why can't oh, I think of yeah, the name? Uh, Starship Troopers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Starship yeah. Troopers is a good example. I mean, I was thinking of Hitchhiker's Guide, which well, I know that movie can be controversial for people, and it's mm-hmm. not the best, but it is, I think, a, an effective movie that does that, um, you know, adapting a, a sci-fi, social commentary, satire t- kind of thing. Um, and yeah, and, and there's yeah. more I'm sure I could think of. Pretty much uh, RoboCop. Well, it's not adapting something there, I guess. To be fair, I was going to say RoboCop, but there are more. Um, I would have to think back on more that what that we've done because I'm sure we've mm-hmm. even done a couple more um, that would fall into that sort of genre. Yeah, I'm just blanking because we've done 140 or 120 episodes. I mean, um, Philip K. Dick isn't satire in the same sense. Well, I would say he's satire-ish, it's, but it's he's not a, comedy. It's, yeah, it's not comedy satire. Yeah, yeah. But I think all of those elements are present. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, not every Philip K. Dick adaptation that we we did on the show has been great true but and, and yeah but and, most of and them it is missing and, and like i said that, that one mostly missing the comedy for yeah. the most part I which, mean, humorous, which i think is important because that is i think the toughest thing the to toughest pull thing off. to pull off yes it is it is um going second uh i do have an issue that you said this is the worst movie you've seen when clearly uh you did uh after last season on good better bad bad I will clarify when I said that one, I was being hyperbolic. Probably. I don't know. I just, you know, I say that about every, not every movie, but I say it a lot because it's, it feels true in the moment. It's, it's one of those things that feels true when you're watching the film. Yeah. Um, so take that for what it is, but also more specifically, uh, I will stand by it at least a little more firmly in the sense that after last season, because it is not a comedy, but is hilarious. Like it's terrible. <laughs> But it has more redeeming factors as a watchable thing mm-hmm. than this movie does. Right. And well, to that me, was... that makes it a better movie, even if not intentionally. That was kind of my thought. I don't think I watched after last season with you, but I watched the episode. Yeah. And I think you might have shown me like a couple like longer clips. Yeah, I don't think we watched it included. together, though. That was the one with like with the random weird animations. Yes. With like the 3d right? modeling in yeah. the middle and, and, and it's like just, uh, it's like four actors in like a warehouse yeah. and it's very creepy. Like, the, my thought was like, like after last season, really bad, but bad in an interesting yes, way. Very bad. Like, in an interesting sa- way. sick of another kind was bad and also uninteresting. Yes. And that's my big point is that <laughs> it, yes. And that is exactly what I was saying is that it, it, yeah, it's bad in an interesting way after last season, this one, 
and, and, and I guess it depends on what you mean by worst movie I've seen. Like maybe technically, mm-hmm. like on a competent like filmmaking level, after last season may be worse. Yeah. But as a movie, when I say it's the worst movie I've ever seen, what I'm saying is as a viewing experience and how much I enjoyed watching it. Mm-hmm. It's worse in the like I said because at least after last season is interesting and yeah. hilarious and how bad it is. Whereas this is just terrible. Because yeah, because like my personal metric for a bad movie, like for a good bad movie, is like could I put this on with a group of friends and we have like some snacks and some drinks I, yes. and and we're gonna have a good time even though it's bad. Yes. And I feel like that's possible with after last season and I don't feel like it's possible with slapstick of another kind. I agree. I would only caveat that by saying that James did not say good bad. They specifically Fair said enough. worst movie. Fair enough. And I'm clarifying what I mean by worst movie. <laughs> Um, Because good, bad is a whole different thing than worst movie. Yes. (laughs) Or it can be. They can also overlap. I will defer to your expertise (laughs) on that. It's the only thing I have uh, expertise in in this world. Um, Anyways. Uh, But yeah, uh, interesting nonetheless. Interesting uh, comment nonetheless. Uh, So on Twitter, we had two votes for the book and zero for the movie. Um, we got more votes than it sounds like, but a lot of people voted for our didn't read didn't slash read, watch option, which well good. absolutely do not. This is the, the best. This is the, the only time I'll be excited for low polling numbers. It's because you none of you deserved this. Shelby says pre-order Monsters and Mayhem said, if you so badly want to watch an 80s comedy starring Madeline Kahn that was poorly reviewed upon upon release, be kind to yourself and watch Clue. That's true. I always forget the Clue. Was it poorly reviewed upon release? I guess it was. I, I didn't mean, know Shelby's that. Like, I didn't know that either. Head. I think I, I, think, I, think I have a I vague memory of that. Clue is like one of her favorites, so I, I will well, defer to her, and, her yes. expertise. And Clue is a fantastic movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's very good. Um, and I it is... It, I, it's, yeah, I totally buy because I think I remember hearing that it was kind of poorly reviewed or at least or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know to what extent poorly reviewed, but was not like well received, but has since people have sort of had a, it yeah. had a, a, a renaissance. It's more of a cult classic. Yes. Kind of following. Because people realized it was good. <laughs> uh, Len Flakasinski. Flakasinski. I always mess that one up because I want to eliminate the middle IS. Mm. Flakinski? Flakinski. You say it. Lynn Flakasinski. Okay, thank you. Um, That follower said, you followed a request and watched this. You didn't listen to a request and we watched The Godfather and Goodfellas. What this tells me is that you shouldn't listen to any requests. No, we should misinterpret we requests. Misinterpret requests. Yeah. Um, what could we have watched I don't instead know. of this? I don't know if there's something we could have watched instead of this. <laughs> if but I had only rem- vaguely remembered Vonnegut, maybe yeah, we maybe could, we could have Vonnegut watched adaptation. Slaughterhouse Five or something. Is there a I good Slaughterhouse there, Five movie? There is an adaptation of it, are. but I don't know if it's any good. Yeah, I have no idea. But better than this, it's got probably. probably. <laughs> it would be hard pressed not to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. That would be good. Or. Yeah, something in the same genre. Yeah. But I don't even know what it would be. I don't Anyways, either. yeah. Because the Godfather Goodfellas one's a very specific, easy, like, start right. with G, like, O, D in the first I, few letters, and they're gangster like, movies. Like, I feel like it's understandable yes, a, that I misremembered that one. Perfectly reasonable mix up <laughs> there. Uh, it would be hard to mix up slapstick with any other film, I feel like. <laughs> So on Instagram, we had three votes for the book. We had one vote for the movie. Somebody misclicked. Now, Somebody misclicked. This person did not follow up to defend their position. So maybe they misclicked. Maybe we're being trolled. Or they're trolled. I yes, don't know. One of the two. It has to be. At any rate. Or come on and defend yourself. If you're out there and you're listening... <laughs> I don't want to comment. You're coming on. We're you're dialing in and you're defending that movie. <laughs> uh, but we did have some comments from the Leap seventy seven. Uh, initially commented and said, "Needless to say, this was the best good, bad, or bad, bad episode ever." I can just imagine Brian constantly stroking his hair and drinking Schlafly nonstop. Okay, the hair thing, sure. I think I drank a Schlafly in one episode. <laughs> 
<laughs> or two, well, maybe. Apparently, apparently it made an impression. <laughs> is it worse than Camp Blood 8? We shall see. I'm watching this with a couple friends in a few days, so yes, the streaming bump will be all <laughs> your fault. At least your YouTube show exposed us to the greatness of Meltdown, but I don't know about this one. Meltdown's amazing. Meltdown Camp Blood amazing. 8, way yeah. better movie than this one. Not even close. I, I'm not even kidding. Like, I would much rather watch <laughs> Camp Blood 8 again. Because, again, now that's a one that is trying to be comedy at times mm-hmm. and is terrible and I, it's still better than this movie. Like it still has is more interesting and more of a train wreck than this movie. I don't. It's just this movie really <laughs> hits like the 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 apex, like the Venn diagram crossover of like boring, loud, and incoherent, and like yeah. so many vectors. It hits like the perfect center of them in a way that truly makes it one of the least watchable horrible films i've ever seen i need somebody to make that venn diagram (laughs) it really yeah there's like eight you know and it's like it just somehow hits and not even yeah it hits the wrong part of every one of those graphs in a Mm -hmm. way that makes it just so unwatchable and i'm apologizing on behalf of of you to your friends already like (laughs) why would you subject them to this Uh, so then uh they commented again Uh, following that like the next day or something maybe um and said i was gonna watch it tomorrow but i had to watch it today yeesh (laughs) it just tried so hard and was so miserably bad the music was giving me some real mac and me vibes Mm -hmm. like it it didn't yeah yeah, like like sci-fi completely did not mesh with the film i think i have a good reason why they didn't release it the King of Comedy was being released fairly close to this movie and having a horrendous Jerry Lewis movie preceding a rather watchable movie with Jerry Lewis would have sunk the second. I don't even know how to describe this. Marty Feldman was like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. Oh, was... Madeline Kahn just looked dead inside when you see her out of the costume. Ugh, this movie is worse than bad bad at least i know how much beer i should drink while watching this true and that is the thing too i i, I was gonna i i didn't mention it much in the episode marty feldman in this movie he his the voice and everything about the character he's doing is it's just like it's like they were trying to go for his character in uh i think he plays igor or whatever mm-hmm. in young frankenstein or yeah young frankenstein he plays igor or whatever i think i think so um and it's like they took they're like well the thing that's interesting about that character is that he's he's got a weird well he's a goofy look he's you know he's a guy that he's right he's kind of a cartoony character looking guy and then they're like and then give him a weird voice and talk weird and that's all it is that's all that makes that character funny and like no understanding of any of the other <laughs> reason like yeah. the way his character plays against mel brooks's or not mel brooks um gene wilder's character yeah. nothing it's just uh it, completely misunderstanding what makes him an interesting character in young frankenstein among other things and but. his character in slapstick is not anything no, either true, i mean yeah. we talked about it he's one way in one scene and another way in another yes. scene and it's like i don't know what you want me to get from this character yeah it's 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 just terrible it's just really really bad really really bad all the way around but uh yeah i uh yeah that's mm-hmm. that's all i got at the end what was the score <laughs> it was the book was our winner with 11 votes to the movies one. Oh, that was my other note uh, sorry i my my screen blanked out and i was trying to get back to it um I don't know if it was the same studio that had this and slaps uh, King of Comedy. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if it was the same studio, so I don't know if them not releasing it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, think, I don't. Yeah, know. I think that makes sense. It makes sense if they though. like if it was the same studios yeah. or somehow Jerry Lewis, you know, pulled or I, whatever. Yeah. That, I think that maybe does make he sense. He was able to pull strings or yeah, something. that, like. that does make sense. My point was only that I don't know if for sure that makes sense. You know, like I yeah. don't know if the same people were making decisions for both of those. Or what? But anyways, one movie voter. Uh, d- 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 don't. <laughs> <laughs> we do not have a learning things segment this week. Uh, we do not have a learning things segment, but we do have quite a few facts about both the book and the movie. So let's get into our book facts about Wise Guy. And always keep your mouth shut. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. 
mom, what do you think? You look like a gangster. I know I By the time I grew up, there was 30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idlewild Airport. Believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. What do you do? I'm in construction. <laughs> He's not Jewish. Mazel tov. For most of the guys, killings got to be accepted. Hey, Henry. Here's an arm. Very funny, guys. Here's a leg. Here's a wing. <laughs> what do you like, the leg or the wing? Wise Guy by Nicholas Pelegi. I didn't look it up. I didn't look it up either. It's, it, could, it could it could be Pelegi. Pelegi, I guess. Um, I'm going to go with Pelegi. I like that. It sounds more Italian <laughs> to me. I don't know. I assume he's Italian. It looks Italian. Yeah, he is. Uh, so this is a 1985 nonfiction book by a crime reporter, Nicholas Pelegi. Uh, Pelleggi worked as a journalist for the Associated Press and for New York Magazine. Uh, he specialized in crime reporting for like over three decades. I hate when somebody works for something like New York Magazine because I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, is that one I've heard of or not? Because it's not the New York New Yorker. No, it's not the New Yorker. It's not like the New York it's Times. It's not the New York it's Times. Not, is it the, it's, it's not the New, New York, York Post. Magazine. It's New York Magazine. It's like, does that still exist? Is that a thing I should have known? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. But anyways. AP to you know yeah journals for the AP that's like the the tippy, tippy top in terms of a uh, yeah it seems like journalism. he was really uh, good at his job uh, he did it for a long time um, he also wrote Casino Love and Honor in Las Vegas as well as its subsequent screenplay uh, he wrote the screenplay for City Hall uh, he has another book um, that I couldn't find a ton of information about but I think it's kind of a similar like nonfiction type um called Bly Private Eye uh, and he also co-wrote the pilot for the CBS television series Vegas. Oh. So very um steeped in I assume his, that's a, his preferred genre. I don't know anything about that show. I assume it's a show from like the 80s or something or I actually think it was later than that. I've t- I I, I've, n- I've never heard of it so I don't know. But, uh, if I google Vegas it's just going to give me the city. Uh 19 19- oh. Nope, 2012. Yeah. There you go. With Dennis Quaid? It only ran one season. Michael Chiklis and Dennis Quaid. I just said that he co-wrote the pilot, so maybe they should have kept him on. Maybe it would have lasted Carrie Ann Moss? Season. What the heck? It's got okay reviews. Well, 67% of Rotten Tomatoes. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> I mean, not terrible reviews, at yeah. least. Uh, he was also married... I had to include this because it caught me so off guard when I was looking at his Wikipedia article. He was married to a fellow author, journalist, and filmmaker, Nora Ephron. Huh. Uh, from 1987 until she died in 2012. They were married for a long time. She's like the... She's um, the queen of the romantic comedy. Yeah, like When Harry Met yeah, Sally. Yeah, When Harry Met right? Sally, yeah. Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail. Yeah, that Nora Ephron. Huh. <laughs> Well, looky there. That's interesting. Yeah, I had no idea. Hey, good on you, dude. Oh, Julie and Julia, Bewitched. You've got mail. Yeah. Uh, those are the main ones. Mixed Nuts, <laughs> When Harry Met Sally. So the book chronicles the life of Henry Hill, who was a mafia associate who turned informant. Spoilers, that's what the movie's about. <laughs> I kind of figured. <laughs> Uh, the liaison between Henry Hill and Nicholas Pelleggi started in 1981. Uh, so Hill was facing a life sentence on a narcotics charge um, and opted for witness protection, um, turning informant rather than just, you know, go rot in jail forever. This is the whole plot of Goodfellas. <laughs> <laughs> kind or of the, figured. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It was actually his lawyer um, who approached Simon and Schuster about like a potential book deal. Hmm. Um, but for about two years, Pelleggi talked uh, almost daily on the phone with him. Um, he also talked to him in like various prosecutors' offices in New York. Um, and then you're more like. Uh, Kind of stereotypical, like, hotel rooms, restaurant, restaurants, cars, parks, and in various Middle Western cities, mm-hmm. was how Wikipedia put it. There you go. Um, but because he is in the Witness Protection Program now, um, Henry Hill... Not anymore, he's dead. 
Oh, he's dead. He passed um, away. Well, yeah. he was. Yes. Um, and, but he was given a false identity, um, and Pelagi actually didn't like know what his new name was or where he was or anything, obviously, for his protection as well. Uh, and I believe, I could be wrong about this, but I'm fairly certain that before he died, he died in 2012. I think he was out of the witness protection program before yeah. he died. I'm yeah. pretty sure. But he was for quite a while yeah. in the witness protection program. So I guess you just get to like come back out if it's if if it's deemed safe. I don't know why he came back out um or what happened there or or mm-hmm. what, but I I I would have to look into it, but he yeah, he did end up getting out of the and i think he got into more trouble after like yeah there's on his wikipedia page here he has subsequent arrests and stuff for drugs in like the 2000s mm. so i think he he i don't i don't know i don't know all the details of it but anyways and the movie does not go into that in the movie spoiler ends with him like going into the witness protection mm. program essentially um which i assume is how the book's gonna end uh but yeah i I don't know the other details, but yeah, he he was out of the witness protection program and then died of like a heart attack or something and or cancer or something yeah. in like 2012. Uh, so my last note here um, is a quote from a review, a 1986 review of the book in the New York Times uh, that stated, Mr. Pelleggi molds Mr. Hill's life story into an absolutely engrossing book that rings with authenticity. This is not one more self-serving account by an organized crime figure. Interesting. Not sure what that's a reference to. Well, I, I mean, I, I get, I would imagine that's a reference to lots of sort of like mobster mm-hmm. tell-all books that are, you know, very glamorous in their portrayal. I will say, at least uh, having not read the book, the movie does at times still feel a little bit yeah. like a uh, self-serving account by an organized. It does at, at times feel a little bit that way. I mean, the movie for sure goes into some of the, you know, less flattering nitty gritty parts, but it also still kind of feels like a, I mean, we don't know. And and from the rating I've done, like the stories that Henry Hill told and his stories changed a lot over the years of like mm-hmm. who killed who and who did what. And like, you know, like, so I don't know how much I would take, you know, his version all, of events. I imagine it all blends together at a certain point. True, true. But anyways, it, it it's an interesting quote. Uh, interesting take on on Henry Hill's account yeah. of his life. To learn more about it, let's dive now into the film Goodfellas. For us to live any other way was nuts. <laughs> we were treated like movie stars with muscle. We had it all just for the asking. It's gonna be a good summer. <laughs> it was a glorious time. In a world that's powered by violence, on the streets where the violent have power, a new generation carries on an old tradition. Goodfellas is a 1990 film directed by Martin Scorsese, our first Martin Scorsese film, who also is known for, I mean, you know, but Taxi Driver, (laughs) The Wolf of Wall Street, The Departed, Hugo, which has a recurring place in our episodes Mm. as our uh, better in the movie quote, one of the moments from that film, Gangs in New York and like a million other films, but I believe he's directed 68 on IMDb, I believe he has 68 director's credits. Those obviously aren't all feature films, but a lot of them are. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's done a lot. Uh, and it was written by Nicholas Pelleggi, who, as you mentioned, uh, wrote Casino, which is another Scorsese film, or co-wrote Casino with Scorsese. Uh, Kings of South Beach and City Hall, which you also mentioned. And it was co-written by Martin Scorsese. The film stars Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, Joe Pesci, Lorraine Bracco, Paul Sorvino, Frank Sivero, Tony Darrow, Mike Starr, Frank Vincent, Chuck Lowe, a bunch of other people, and Samuel L. Jackson. Did you know that? No. Fun. Uh, saying he stars in it is a stretch, but he is in it, which I, yeah, I like remember. Yeah, a bit part? Very small role. Huh. Uh, one of his earlier, like, big movie roles. Interesting. Um, I, this is, like, four years before Pulp Fiction and, like, when he really... I mean, he, oh, and he, yeah, I guess it is. I always think Pulp Fiction is, like, a little bit earlier yeah, than it was Pulp Fiction was reason. 94, and this is 90. And he would, had been in other... This wasn't, okay. like, his first role or anything, um, but, like, he... 
he he had not broken onto the scene as a major star at this point. So yeah, he just has like at least from my memory, I don't think he had. Um, and he, he just has a very small role. He's in like one scene, I believe. But it is interesting. You'll so look out for Samuel L. Jackson. The film has a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 90 on Metacritic, and a 8.7 out of 10 on IMDb, which puts it at number 17 on the top 250 list. The film made $47.1 million against a budget of $25 million. Uh, it, was, it won one Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for Joe Pesci and was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actress in a Supporting Role for Lorraine Bracco, who plays uh, Karen Hill, uh, his wife, uh, Henry Hill's wife, mm. who I always want to call Hank Hill. Because <laughs> Hank is yeah. short for Henry. It's, it's, yeah. um, best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, which used to have a different dumb name. Uh, they changed it to Best Adapted Screenplay. Mm. It used to be like Best Screenplay based on another piece of art, medium or something. I don't know. It had like a longer, more convoluted. Were, the, were they trying to meet a word count? I don't know. Yeah. But eventually <laughs> they just changed it to Best Adapted Screenplay. And Best Film Editing. Uh, it won another 44 awards and was nominated for 38 more across, like, BAFTAs and Golden mm-hmm. Globe, you know, all the other... It nominated for lots of stuff. All of the non-Oscar awards. Yes, which nobody cares about, so I don't include them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, apparently, Scorsese did not intend to make another mom film at this time, which I think is hilarious because he then went on to make nothing but mob films for the rest of it. And that's not true. He's, but a lot of mob films still to go from here. He makes Casino. He makes The Departed. He makes uh, uh, the other one I was just blanking on that I just thought of. Um, tons of oh, uh, The Irishman. He's made a lot of mob movies since. But apparently he didn't intend to make another mob film. But he saw a review of uh, Pelleggi's book. And then he read it while he was working on The Color of Money in 1986. He'd always been like super fascinated by the mob and the lifestyle and all that sort of stuff. And he was really drawn to Pledgy's book because like the critic that you mm. cited stated, he saw it as a really honest portrayal of gangsters and then like the most like realistic. Maybe he read the same review. Uh, maybe that is the review he read. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Maybe you're right. <laughs> Holy cow. Connecting things on a, on a cork board here. Um, yeah. But he thought it was like the most honest portrayal of gangsters that he had ever read after reading the book. Uh, he knew he wanted to make the film, and he had a he had a specific approach that he wanted to take, saying, "quote To begin, Goodfellas like a gunshot, and to have it get faster from there, almost like a two and a half hour trailer. I think it's the only way you can really sense the exhilaration of the lifestyle, and to get a sense of why a lot of people are attracted to it." Or according to Pileggi, Scorsese just called him out of the blue and told him, "quote I've been waiting for this book my entire life." Apparently, who knows how true it is? Pileggi replied by saying. I've been waiting for this phone call my entire life. So, uh, really interesting, right? Henry Hill, obviously the real guy that this book is based and film is telling the story of his life. Mm. Uh, it, two weeks before they started filming, uh, they paid him four hundred and eighty thousand uh, dollars for the rights to yeah. tell his life story or whatever. That's that lawyer getting that book deal. Yep, because that's uh, where the money is. Yes, when your book gets made into a movie. Absolutely, selling those film rights. Uh, so Scorsese initially did title the film Wise Guy, the same as the mm-hmm. book. Um, but later, him and Pileggi decided to change the name because uh, to Goodfellas, specifically because there were two projects going on at the same time, uh, 1986's, uh, uh, Brian De Palma's 1986 film Wise Guys, and there was a TV series that ran from 87 to 1990 called Wise Guy. And they were like, we don't want yeah, confusion. We don't, we, we'll don't, just, we don't need a third wise yeah. guy property. So we'll just uh, we'll switch up the name and, and land it on Goodfellas. Uh, so Robert De Niro very early on agreed to play uh, Conway, James Jimmy Conway, I believe is his name in the film. Um, and once that happened, Scorsese was able to be like, I have De Niro playing. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, OK, have whatever you want. Have all the wise. money. Yeah. And that was how he was able to secure uh, his budget, which at the time, this twenty five million dollar budget was the largest budget he had ever had on a film. Uh, so. They decided to cast Ray Liotta as Henry Hill after De Niro apparently saw him in Jonathan Demme's Something Wild, which is a 1980s fix film. And it turns out that Liotta had actually read the book when it came out and was completely fascinated by it. After he had met with Scorsese about the role, he aggressively campaigned to be in the film. But the studio wanted somebody that was more well-known. Ultimately, they did go with him. But some of the other people that were considered for Henry Hill, mainly by the studio, because, again, they wanted a bigger name, Mm. include 
Sean Penn, Alec Baldwin, Val Kilmer, and Tom Cruise. So just like all the big name people hmm. from the late 80s, <laughs> early 90s. Uh, some other people that were apparently considered for Jimmy Conway's role, which not bigger names than Robert De Niro at the time, although one of them is close, were Al Pacino and John Malkovich. Mm. Uh, and Al Pacino apparently turned down the role, I believe, because he didn't want to be typecast. I believe uh, I read that. Uh, but as, he, but he, then went on to play like a gangster and something else yeah. <laughs> at yeah, the time. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, this is coming off. I mean, this isn't even coming off of this is quite a ways after Godfather, right. but he had been in all the Godfather movies and right. among other things. And I, I think even a couple other like gangster properties and was like, uh, I want to do something well, yeah, else. You want to do something else, something fresh. I get yeah. it. Uh, and John Malkovich was the other person considered for Jimmy Conway. Uh, as for Karen Hill, who plays Henry Hill's wife or who is Henry Hill's wife, who was played by uh, Lorraine Bracca nominated for an Oscar. Uh, the main other contender for that role was Madonna. Interesting. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> so this is fun. Uh, former EDNY prosecutor, and EDNY stands for Eastern District of New York, prosecutor Edward McDonald appears as himself in the film and actually recreates the conversation that he himself had with Henry and Karen Hill about joining the Witness Protection Program. Interesting. McDonald's, who was friend or McDonald, who was friends with Pelleggi, was totally cast like just out of nowhere. They were on a location scout taking pictures of his office. This mm -hmm. guy's office for like set reference points, like yeah, yeah, for yeah. his office in the movie. And he casually remarked that he'd be happy to play himself if they needed it. And apparently <laughs> Pelleggi called him an hour later and asked if he was serious. And then they cast him. And his entire scene with Hank and uh, or Henry and, and Karen Hill is unscripted. <laughs> like it's mm -hmm. just them having a conversation. There's actually quite a bit of... Um, improvisation in this film but we'll get to that here in a second so uh scorsese as he was working on you know the pre-production of this film broke it down into sequences and storyboarded out everything because of the complicated style and nature of the storytelling of the film or throughout the film uh he stated quote i wanted lots of movement and i wanted it to be throughout the whole picture and i wanted the style to kind of break down by the end so that by henry's last day as a wise guy it's as if the whole picture would be out of control, giving the impression that he's just going to spin off the edge and fly out of control. End quote. Uh, he added that the film style comes apparently is inspired by the first two or three minutes of a film called Jules and Jim from 1962, which I have not seen. Um, but it makes use of extensive narration, quick edits, freeze frames and multiple locations, which is hmm. so very frenetic, very chaotic. Mm -hmm. Uh, so Lorraine Bracco, apparently, uh, who plays Karen, found the shoot to be an emotionally difficult one because it was such a male-dominated cast, and she realized if she didn't, quote, make her work important, it would probably end up on the cutting room floor, end quote. She was nominated on an Oscar, so she apparently did so. She had the last laugh. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so as I mentioned, there was a lot of ad-libbing and improvising uh, in this film, but most of it happened during rehearsals where Scorsese was like, go crazy, we're rehearsing it, here's the script, but improvise, ad-lib, let's do that. And then he had transcripts made of everything that they did during rehearsals, and then he took those and added the stuff that they ad-libbed to the actual script for filming. Interesting. So a lot of the stuff is improvised in the film, but not so much improvised like on the day on right. the set, but huh. improvised ahead of time by the actors and stuff and then used in the film and like written into the script basically for a final version for the final version of the shooting script. Uh, one of the things Scorsese wanted to do with the film is depict violence realistically uh, saying that quote, he wanted it to be cold, unfeeling and horrible, almost incidental. However, he did have to remove 10 frames of blood from the film to ensure that it got an R rating and not an X rating by the MPAA. <laughs> 10 frames of blood. Wow. Apparently. I'm trying to think of where that could be. I mean, there's lots of violence in this movie, and it is... He succeeded in making it cold, unfeeling, and horrible. It is, like, strikingly detached mm. in a way that feels realistic. Um, kind of similar to Godfather mm -hmm. in that regard. Uh, at least in some of the scenes, like the scene in the, the Italian restaurant, specifically the one I'm thinking of. Um, but yeah, apparently 10 scenes, 10 frames of blood had to be removed. But that could be multiple places because there's blood in quite a, quite a few scenes in this movie. 
So there's a scene in this film where Robert De Niro uh, as Jimmy Conway is counting out mo- or handing out money. And De Niro did not want to use the prop money that they had secured for this scene because he said it felt fake in his hands and wanted to use real money. So the prop master gave De Niro $5,000 of his own money. And apparently at the end of each take, no one was allowed to leave set until the money was returned and counted. I will state this one and the next couple are IMDb trivia facts. So who knows? But I thought that was fascinating. (laughs) Fake money does feel really fake. And I can get. I get his point. Like it feels really fake. Feel like but also, Robert De Niro you're an actor. Should have supplied his own right? five thousand dollars. Yes. If he was so set on it. Also, you're an actor. You can you can <laughs> act that it, like it feels like real money, even though it doesn't. <laughs> but I get uh, that being said, fake money does feel really fake. Uh, so, here we go. Fuck and its derivatives are used 321 times in the film, an average of 2.04 times per minute. All right, so this is not one for the kids. No. Joe Pesci says about half of them. (laughs) The script called for the word to be used 70 times, but much of the dialogue, as I mentioned, was improvised, and so it piled, they, they had a lot more expletives than they originally in the script. At the time of the film's release, it had the most profanity of any movie in history. As of 2020, it's number 15. Wolf of Wall Street, another Scorsese film, is number three. I don't know what number one is. I need to know what number Uh, one is. I think I used to know what this was. There's a movie called, like, uh, now I can't recall. Um, There's one that might be about, like, expletives that is very high. Also trying to remember the name of the other one oh. um um the top one according to this list which i think is just wikipedia uh the top one is swear net the movie yes that's what i was thinking and of. the second one is fuck the documentary yes those are both so. of the ones so swear <laughs> Net the movie is the trailer park boys uh-huh. they specifically made a movie SwearNet was like their website and they specifically made a movie with the goal of having the most mm like expletives or fucks or whatever in in a film but anyways so uh in the dvd comp uh commentary which they actually got henry hill to come and do uh he apparently said that he still has nightmares about when he tommy and jimmy murdered billy bats so it's nice to know he isn't just like okay with the fact that he <laughs> murdered a guy <laughs> but okay. he's not sleeping soundly about it well he literally. is now because he's dead but well <laughs> yes wasn't yeah I guess we don't know what he's doing now. So yeah, true. Um, so according to Debbie Mazer, who's one of the, she plays one of the other like girlfriends or wives in the film. Um, her at one point in the movie when she meets Henry Hill, she trips mm-hmm. and it's in the film, and that actually that's unscripted and was actually her tripping over the camera dolly track on the floor. Oh, no. But Martin Scorsese liked it so much because she looked like she was like overwhelmed with Henry or something, and they decided to use it in the actual film. All right, time for some reviews. And these are fun. Uh, I mean, they're not that fun because they're all they're all good reviews. <laughs> Uh, in this review, uh, sorry, in Siskel's review for the Chicago Tribune, he wrote, quote, all of the performances are first rate. Pesci stands out, though, with his seemingly unscripted manner. Goodfellas is easily one of the year's best films. And speaking of the year's best films, it was ranked to the best of 1990 by Roger Ebert, Gene Siskel and Peter Travers. And in a poll of 80 films, 80 film critics. Goodfellas was named the best film of the year by 34 of them. Uh, director Martin Scorsese has chosen, uh, uh, was also chosen as the year's best director by 45 of the 80 uh, critics. Going on to some lists of kind of where Goodfellas has fallen in history of film since then, it's ranked number 92 on the AFI's 100 Years 100 Movies uh, list, the 10th edition from 2007. In 2012, the Motion Picture Editors Guild listed Goodfellas as the 15th best edited film of all time based on a survey of its membership, which one of the things, so I think in, in our last episode when you mentioned that we were doing Goodfellas or whatever, I did make a remark that it's not like the 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 virtuosic masterpiece that the Godfather is from my memory. Mm-hmm. I will say that I do recall the editing was something we we looked at extensively in film school, like mm-hmm. and and in particular the way this film is edited because that is 
one of its more notable i mean it's a good film in general but one of the things that makes it stand apart from like the godfather is its editing because specifically as i mentioned earlier scorsese wanted that frenetic yeah. like just breakneck pace to 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 and and for that to amplify as the movie went to sort of uh, portray the the chaotic nature of henry hill's life as mm-hmm. and what he was going through so yeah it it is a it is a very uh, interestingly edited film uh, in 2012, uh, a sight and sound poll uh, ranked it the 48th greatest film ever made. Uh, Goodfellas is 39th on James Bertinelli's 2014 made uh, list of the top 100 films of all time. And in 2015, Goodfellas ranked 20th on BBC's 100 greatest American films list. Hmm. Voted on by critics from around the world. I, I Again, most of those lists, I imagine Godfather's like one or two. So yeah. it's <laughs> probably. Yeah, if I had to guess. In his review for the Chicago Sun-Times, Roger Ebert, who we always have to have in here, gave the film a full four stars and wrote, quote, no finer film has ever been made about organized crime, not even The Godfather. So in Ebert's opinion, this film is superior. And it made me laugh because I was like, even when he's I agree that a movie is good, Ebert finds a way to disagree with me. I think we'll be the judge of that, (laughs) Mr. Ebert. It's hilarious. Oh, man. I'm going to have to have a follow up verdict where I say which film is better. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, So uh, I this I'm just now realizing my notes got punched out of order here somehow uh when i was referencing the fact that a lot of the scenes were improvised earlier Mm -hmm. one of the scenes that i wanted to put in here for people before they watch the film uh is one of the most famous scenes in the movie which is when tommy is telling a story and he's responding to him funny how do i amuse you uh that whole scene with joe pesci uh, is based on an actual event that Joe Pesci apparently experienced. He was working as a waiter, and he thought he was complimenting a mobster. A lobster. A lobster. <laughs> <laughs> but he was complimenting a mobster by saying that he was funny. However, the comment was not taken well by the mobster. Mm-hmm. So that scene apparently comes from Joe Pesci's experience in, in actual real life. Uh, and it worked really well in rehearsals, rehearsals when him and Leota improvised it. And so they ended up doing uh, doing it in the film, rewriting the dialogue and kind of using it in the final version. So uh, you talked about how uh, Pelleggi met with or hang out, hung out with Henry Hill and like talked to him a lot when he was writing the book. Eventually, Ray Liotta did meet Henry Hill after the filming and after the movie had come out in a, quote, undisclosed city because he was still in <laughs> witness protection at the time. And Henry Hill did tell him that he actually loved the film. So That's there you go. nice. Uh, and finally, and I thought this was interesting because it's one of the other most famous shots. If you're like a film kid, like who went to f- like, you know, took a couple film classes, the long tracking shot, the one through the Copacabana nightclub came about because of a practical problem. Apparently they couldn't get permission to go in through the front of the club, the, uh-huh. the short way. And this forced them to go around through the back and use the back entrance. So because of that, Scorsese decided to film the sequence in one long unbroken shot in order to symbolize that Henry's entire life was ahead of him, commenting, quote, it's his seduction of Karen, and it's also the lifestyle seducing him. And apparently that sequence, the one, the one or there going into the Copacabana nightclub was shot eight times, which is not that many for that kind of deal. No, it's also, there's not like a lot going. It's, I mean, it's, there's, there's stuff going on, but it's not like the most involved one take that you'll see compared Mm -hmm. to like children of men, which we'll get to eventually. And some of the oneers in that movie. Where there's like stunts and like all kinds of nonsense, it's just like walking through a nightclub. So it's you yeah, know. but eight times, which again I would have guessed more than eight, but that's not bad. All right, Katie, this was a patron request. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. I mean, not kind of. It, <laughs> it, was, it, it was, was. It was. The Godfather was the kind of one. Yeah. Who requested this? Uh, one? This was requested by Kelly Napier. Who I guess kind of got a, a two for one. A two for. Assuming you like the Godfather, yeah. maybe you don't. You're um, like, well. <laughs> uh, Kelly Napier, who just had a baby. Oh yes, congratulations, yeah. Kelly. So a new baby. Happy baby. <laughs> happy baby. Hope you enjoy the episode. <laughs> Here's a Goodfellas episode or the episode for you. To... Happy baby. Here is the probably least kid friendly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, very much. But it's a baby, so it's fine. You can yeah. listen to it around the baby. They don't know what's going baby on. Baby won't remember. Won't remember a thing. Katie, where can people watch? 
Well, as always, you can check with your local library. Uh, or if you still have a local video rental store, you can check with them. Uh, odds are pretty good that you can probably pick this one up. Yeah, at the it, I mean it's, it's everywhere. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, if um, you have a movie our, rental our local store or library, library has it. So yeah. yes, if we've got it, you probably do. Yeah. Uh, but if not, you can stream this with a subscription through HBO Max, or you can rent it for around three or four bucks through Apple TV, Amazon, YouTube, Vudu. AMC Theaters on Demand, Redbox, DirecTV, or Spectrum TV. There you go. Fantastic. That's it for this prequel episode. In one week's time, we're talking about Goodfellas, which I'm excited to revisit because it's been... I've seen this movie mm-hmm. three or four times. Uh, and, and even more than that, if you count all the times I've watched scenes from it for like film classes and stuff, because this is this is one that you've I, I've watched more of this movie for film classes than Godfather, which that's probably more of us uh, has to do with like my film teachers at the yeah. time, like how old they were and stuff. And yeah. like when this movie came out versus when God would be my guess. Uh, but who knows? Maybe not. Also, like I said, we did specifically focus on the editing quite a bit, which is something this movie is. um is doing a lot more with than mm-hmm. the Godfather is uh, in general. Not that mm-hmm. the Godfather, the Godfather is very well edited, but like this movie's doing like, like things, a, like a specific things. <laughs> yes. Right. I gotcha. Yeah. I've never seen this movie, uh, but I am excited to connect the dots with, uh, I don't know if you watched Animaniacs. I mean, I've seen it back up. in the, yeah. Um, but there was a recurring segment on that, that I, now understand as an adult rift on oh was ray liotta in the or was it was it henry hill or what i don't know but i i mean the the segment that i'm thinking of i think rift on like a lot of mafia uh, media but it was good feathers where it was like three pigeons and then there was like the god pigeon for some reason, yeah, yeah. The, for some reason, when you said Animaniacs, I had a brainwave that I feel like I remember seeing Ray Liotta drawn as like an Animaniac, and now maybe like I'm style? making this up. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm completely hallucinating. I'm just that. thinking of of Good Feathers. Fair enough. So I'm excited to see if I'm like watching this movie and I'm like, hey. <laughs> Because isn't I one of those a joke about aren't they that. pigeons or something? Yeah, they're pigeons. And, but because the one's just doing the guy, he's yeah, just doing yeah, Marlon there's Brando, one that's right? just doing Marlon Brando. Right. But then like the, there's the three like recurring main character pigeons that I am assuming is a reference. I bet to one of them's like Pesci. Yeah, I don't remember. I do vaguely remember that now that you mention it. Like my brain is like, oh yeah, that I do have a, like a. I'm seeing the Marlon Brando pigeon in my yeah. head. Like he's got he's got like big pigeon yeah, jowls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting. But yeah, you'll 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 get some references, and uh, it is a it's a very good movie. It's, I yeah, I, it's a very again. I remember enjoying it very much every time I've seen it, and thinking it's very very good. So I'm excited to watch it again. Come back in one week time. We're watching it. Till that time, guys, guys, I'm Byron Pals. Everybody else, keep reading books, watch movies, and, and keep, keep being awesome. awesome.